You're listening to Flipping the Channel, conversations with experts and executives from the electronics industry. In each episode, we attempt to understand and unravel some of the business and technical challenges brought on by component obsolescence. Here's your host, Bill Bradford, president of Flip Electronics. Welcome to this episode of Flipping the Channel. I'm very pleased to have as our guest in this episode, Greg Wood, Director of Product Management with IHS Market. IHS Market is a research firm that, among other things, tracks trends of end of life and process change notifications of electronic components. So we're very pleased to welcome you, Greg. Thanks for being on our show today. Well, thank you, Bill. Um, it's nice to be here. And um, I uh, thought I'd start just to give you a little bit of information on my background. Great. Um, I'm a degreed engineer, um, graduated in uh, 1986 with a mechanical engineering degree. And I've spent, uh, I spent early on in my career, I spent some time uh, doing some job shop uh, temp jobs, and I gained a lot of experience. One of the uh, one of the companies I worked for was a power supply manufacturer. So I got some experience in being able to deal with electronic components and um, understand the manufacturing at the time. Um, after that, I did some software work and got into the component information business, of which I've been involved for uh, the past uh, over 20 years with four different companies. And so that's given me some real in insight into um, new developments and new trends in the industry uh, that I hope to go over on this podcast. Great. So how long have you been with IHS Market then? Um, I have been with IHS Market uh, in two different uh, segments uh, for about 20 years. Uh, it was IHS at one point and I worked uh, for them in the 90s and then um, uh, we merged with a company called Market, and uh, so I've been with um, IHS Market now for, oh, uh, 13, 14 years. Great. Well, tell us a little more about IHS Market before we get into the what you're seeing out there. What what, what kind of firm is it? What, what, what do you guys do at IHS Market? Um, IHS Market is a global information and insight company. And uh, at a high level, um, what we do is we provide um, executives with key information and insight that allows them to make competitive decisions and stay ahead of their competition. They're involved in a number of different industries, including financial markets, um, automotive industry, uh, energy, and the group I work for is under what's called Consolidated Markets, which also has a uh, standards reselling business. Okay. Well, so let's let's dive into the electronics supply chain a little bit. T tell me what you've observed uh, this past year in 2020. It was certainly an interesting year for the world. What, what have you observed in the supply chain? Yeah, it certainly was a lot of uncertainty in 2020. And I think we saw some of that in the supply chain as um, companies were really um, trying to uh, reestablish their uh, manufacturing locations and their manufacturing lines. 
And we saw that to a certain extent in the supply chain with um, lead times getting ex extended toward the end of 2020. And we also saw uh, some reasons for that included um, uh, changes in buying uh, behaviors for uh, people that were under lockdown. They wanted to um, be able to have their um, new TVs and new game consoles and um, new phones. And so um, that created sort of a shift in um, the supply coming into 2021. Okay. Um, what, you know, besides the consumers, obviously we've been seeing a lot in the news around the automotive sector as well. Have you guys, I guess, been paying attention to that part as well? Absolutely. Um, there's been some very significant impacts uh, to the automotive industry in 2020. And it has to do with the shortage of semiconductor devices. Uh, a lot of micro uh, microcontrollers, microprocessors are in short supply. And it's caused major uh, auto automakers to either shut down plants or scale back production significantly. Okay. So that's expected to have a $61 billion impact to 2021 sales in the uh, automotive world. Wow. Let's, let's translate to some of the trends you're seeing specifically around the end of life area. Yeah, so uh, 2020 saw a, a significant increase in end-of-life uh, communications that we received from manufacturers. So we saw about 25% more in 2020 than we had seen in 2019, rising to an all-time high since we've been um, recording this information over the past 20 years. Um, likewise, we've also seen... Um, increases in product change notices, probably about a 20% increase there as well. So some significant um, uh, additional communication that manufacturers are getting out about their components. Look, if we could dive into that a little bit more, particularly around semiconductors, what, what are some of the specific trends and end of life you're seeing on the semiconductor side by product families, et cetera? Uh, we see um, a number of very interesting things. Um, generally, there is a move to um, design products uh, with lower power consumption, uh, which creates less heat dissipation, uh, more miniaturized uh, circuit boards. Um, so really, um, what we've seen for semiconductors is a move to... Um, end of life, some of the older outdated uh, components. So things, um, oh, like uh, uh, heat dissipation, um, heat sinks, um, and um, higher power devices, certainly um, some of the larger, uh, certainly through hole components are, um, are end of life uh, much more regularly. And so we've seen also in the, um, in terms of the product families, we've seen a lot of oscillators and crystals uh, almost doubling their um, EOLs this year when compared um, to the average of the previous three years. And we've seen a lot of EOL activity in optoelectronics, um, and then also in some traditional integrated circuit areas with programmable logic, seeing an increase of about 60%. Um, and... Um, uh, also, uh, microprocessors, microcontrollers, peripherals, sensors, 
So um, some significant um, uptick in EOLs for uh, particular part types uh, that we've been seeing. Interesting. If we go beyond semiconductors, what other components uh, are you seeing the same kind of thing in uh, electromechanical and passives, interconnects and that, that type of product? Um, we are. Uh, we're seeing um, some additional, um, it's not quite as much as semiconductors, but we are seeing some of the older devices getting end of life uh, sockets, for example, or circuit protection devices. Um, so we see a lot of transformers uh, and getting end of life and um, uh, about 50% more capacitors by affected parts and about 30% more uh, resistors are getting EOL'd at the part level. So do you think this accelerating trend of end of life and, and process change notifications is going to continue into 2021? What's your, what's your outlook for this, this current year now? Um, I think it's going to continue. I don't see, I don't expect to see quite the uh, volume level increase. I don't expect to see 25% more EOLs in 2021, but I do expect to see more EOLs than we had in 2020 uh, going forward. So it's going to be uh, uh, something that companies really need to pay attention to and to be able to plan very carefully around their part buys and last time buys specifically. So what, what do you think the, the real root reasons are for seeing such a big increase in end-of-life notifications? Uh, well, I think there's a number of different reasons. Certainly um, uh, discontinuing some of the older technology devices, but also um, companies are preparing for uh, removal, really, of the uh, substances of very high concern from all their um, product line. And that's to... Um, uh, support some of the new regulations that we're seeing in the European Union with with the skip regulations, um, with the eco designs, uh, the conflict minerals. So certainly, um, uh, certainly there's some EOL activity as a result of some of the new legislation. Um, but um, I think mainly it's to um, uh, restructure their product offerings for manufacturers to um, support their mo most profitable lines, uh, get some of their older parts converted to um, new part numbers for customers, and really rationalize a, a go-forward approach that's going to be the most profitable for the manufacturers. Okay. You mentioned the trend as well around the process change notifications. Is that driven by the same reasons? Tell us more about what's going on. Why also the increase in PCNs? Yeah, so um, there has been a significant in increase in PCNs. And a lot of that, we're seeing assembly process and assembly site changes. So I think some of that is to, um, uh, to give uh, some options to avoid tariffs. So we see some added assembly sites in Malaysia, Japan, uh, Taiwan and the Philippines, and really to meet global demand uh, continues to increase. And so they want to reduce lead times, get the products out to customers as soon as possible, and really ensure they've got uh, good supply chain continuity. So what's your advice to customers in this environment? You know, if, if, if there's no end in sight for this trend, particularly customers that have to support products for longer than your typical two-year consumer life cycle. How should customers deal with this situation? Well, that's um, 
that's a very good question. I think um, one of the main things that uh, customers can do is they can get a good, uh, reliable component information source uh, to be able to track and monitor their parts on a daily basis and provide um, end of life and last time buy opportunities. So that'll at least give uh, companies an opportunity to be able to uh, plan a last time buy or uh, to be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, or to be able to identify a alternate part that they could utilize in their existing designs. So certainly a great lead into IHS market coming full circle here to tell us a little bit more about what, what those offerings and, and information sources are from IHS market. Well, at IHS Market, we have a great product offering uh, that revolves around our parts component database. Um, and we've been collecting components on uh, information on components for many years now. And we're able to uh, supply uh, customers with um, end of life notifications. Um, we're able to monitor their bill of materials on a daily basis and provide uh, part status updates. And we have this information available through a variety of, of, of products that allow um, companies to do individual part lockups, monitor their bill of materials, and really be able to integrate the content directly into their internal systems. So there's some great options available to help companies really manage uh, a, a very difficult and, and growing problem from an information perspective. Oh, very good. Any other products or services that our listeners should be aware of from IHS? Well, uh, certainly IHS um, has many different product offerings. Um, there are some good overlaps in the parts business with our um, standards business. So, for example, if companies are concerned about uh, uh, counterfeit components getting into their products, um, there's a number of standards available through SAE, um, IEC, and um, uh, other standards organizations that help them put in place uh, counterfeit mitigation strategies and keep their uh, brand uh, clean and make sure that, um, you know, they don't see any um, uh, counterfeit components getting into their products. Oh, very good. So how can our listeners learn more about IHS? What's the best way to get information to better understand these resources? I think one of the best ways to do that is just to go to ihsmarket.com and market with an I and um, search on electronic parts management solutions. And you'll be able to see the portfolio of all the products and also get some good information on uh, how to engage with IHS to help solve uh, problems that we're seeing with the in the component industry. Very good. Now, this has been very helpful. I think as we see this accelerating trend, uh, as mentioned earlier, more and more industries are really getting caught kind of flat-footed on being able to support their products. And so having this kind of insight and, and data available to better plan is uh, certainly a great solution. So, um, really appreciate you sharing this with us today, Greg. Um, I think as dynamic as this situation is, we'd love to have you back on a future podcast, uh, you know, to kind of look at the trends, maybe second half of the year to see what's changing or how these are accelerating. And uh, any any final thoughts or comments from you? 
Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be available for um, this podcast and uh, certainly you've enjoyed it and hope that uh, provide your uh, audience with some um, ideas on what we're seeing ahead, but also some uh, potential solutions or some support through some of these very challenging times. Very good. All right. Well, thanks again for joining and uh, being a part of this podcast. And we'll talk to you again at in a future episode. Thank you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Flipping the Channel. Please remember to join us in our next episode, where our special guest will be retired Rear Admiral Tom Tron, Tom, at one point in his career, oversaw the Defense Logistics Agency and has some real insight into how the Department of Defense is dealing with obsolescence and obsolete and end-of-life components. This will shed some real light and insight, particularly to our defense-related customers. Until next time. You've been listening to Flipping the Channel. This podcast is brought to you by Flip Electronics, where we're making obsolescence obsolete. Visit www.flipelectronics.com for your authorized, hard-to-find, end-of-life electronic component requirements.